0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: And good evening, and welcome to Game Face. I am one of the hosts, Richard and ewing and I'm with the host, Mike Deschutes-Schumann. We do this every week, and at this time, you should have your game face on because I have mine on. Mike, what about you?
2: No question, and, uh, of course, you can find us on the Believe Network uh, podcast. And, boy, a lot to talk about, so we should get busy, and we got to start. And it's rare when you start a sportscast, for instance, with NASCAR. But they're front and center. Last night, they found a noose that you would hang somebody with and the only black driver on tour, Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr.'s garage at Talladega, which is in Alabama. So, um, and then today, before the race, it was rained out yesterday, before the race, every driver, every pit crew, got Bubba's car, pushed it up to the front, and uh, it was just a show of solidarity among the drivers and the crews. And I just can't imagine what was going through Bubba's mind. He almost had to race today to just despite that person. They don't know who it is. Only certain people have access to those garages, and that would be drivers and crews. And you got to believe, uh, Razor, that there are cameras in all those garages. And whoever did it, the FBI's in on it now.
1: Ooh, wait a minute. You, idea, wait a minute. Ooh, I'm doing sweet. something
2: like that. Though, wait I'm a minute. Wearing...
1: As soon as you said the FBI, that's oh, yeah. huge. That's huge. That's huge. But, and if you
2: did something like that, I'm sure you're wearing a hoodie. Well, in this case, the guy probably had a white Klan hat on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, this is how racist this is. And it's just unbelievable the one man on tour you know, the broke barriers and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I just, I, I just can't imagine what that would be like for Bubba. And he was out there racing today. So your thoughts on this as a, an African-American, I just, I don't know. You know, we talked about it before the show. You know, the NASCAR is based in the South and a lot of old habits die hard. We'll say that, but this is just, Off the charts, ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you know, to your point, we've heard different uh, takes on it from different local officials here in California. Um, I think some of the words that were used were disgusting, irreprehensible. um, You know, and those kind of really describe, you know, what took place because really at the end of the day with everything that's going on, this was something that just was totally, you know, I can't say I, I, I guess the word I would use despicable that would be the word I would use yeah, because that because really at the end of the day it's like here's a man who really when you think about it he, he's bringing you know flavor to NASCAR that's what he's doing he's bringing flavor to NASCAR you know he's an African-American man he wants to drive you know in this sport they don't have a lot of African American people that do this so you know for him to do this, you know NASCAR. Their response was, "Look, you know what? Not only are we not going to allow this. Guess what? There'll be a full-on investigation. We will catch the perpetrator, and he will be barred from NASCAR." NASCAR is looking at this and thinking, "You know what? This was a way to 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 do something in NASCAR that probably they've struggled with, and that's to integrate it." Okay, so for for this to happen now, NASCAR was like, "Oh no, no, no! Absolutely not." We are not going to sleep until you are found out. And then we will catch you. And then you will receive the due penalty for your error, sir. Because at the end of the day, that was a huge error. Uh, and really, right now, that the timing couldn't have been worse. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the situation with uh, race relations in the country. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's like, dude, really? You, you adding fuel to the fire. You, you ain't trying to help, really. That's my whole thoughts on this whole thing, man. This is just bad. That's all there is to it. Well, it kind of. I don't want to say
2: that's the old school of NASCAR because, like you said, Bubba was uh, adding some flavor to it and some color. And if you've ever gone to a NASCAR race, uh, I've never. I've been to one, and I've never seen anything of that nature. Everybody's very welcomed in the stands. Uh, everybody's just part of just a fun day at the track. So for somebody like this, you know, and it would make it even more despicable, like you said this had to be somebody in house. I mean, the only other person could have been, it was like, not a custodian, but somebody who's in charge or security of all the garages at night. But to think that this is one of their own, (coughs) scary, scary feeling and uh, just uncalled for. And when you bring in, like you said, the FBI for something on this, they're gonna find out who this was. and Just a big, big uh, mark on NASCAR. And uh it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. Now Richard Petty, I think who owns Bubba's car, the forty three car, hadn't showed up to race in forever and he was out there front and center with Bubba today. So wow. that's how much it meant uh,
1: wow, to him, was, an
2: old school guy, you know. Yeah, so
1: But Petty uh-huh. is Petty is He's in the king. Opinion, after I watched him for many years in in, in, in the sport, you know, Petty is, is a stand up guy. He really is. And he's been a stand up guy for many years. Um I remember, I think it was it was it was a little while back, but they had asked him about that whole you know race relations thing, you know in Tallahassee. Also, not Tallahassee, excuse me, Talladega, but Talladega excuse me, Talladega, and also uh, in NASCAR, and he was dead set against it. He felt like that more that you know African American drivers could contribute a big uh, uh, contribution or make a big contribution to the sport itself. Um, so for him to show up once again, uh, doing what Richard Petty does, you know, huge example and really, uh, you know, the other owners of cars should probably follow suit if car is to become uh, a, a sport of change.
2: All right. Well, just a sad, sad story on the track. They ran the race today, rain delayed and, uh, so, uh, kind of made their their kind of motion with what the drivers did. So that was – Bubba was just overwhelmed. So, yeah. all right, let's move on. Baseball, uh, as we predicted, the players turned down the owners' latest, and now the owners will dictate after, you know, all the uh, turning down of each's offer. They're asking the players to report to camp in seven days, July 1st, and they're going to announce the amount of games, probably 60. And then the health and safety protocols have to be uh, agreed upon. So we're still a good ways away, but we're down to the point where now uh, the owners can go ahead and force a season on the players. Now, they're talking about playing 60 games in 66 days, and I'm just not sure, and it's not a bubble. It sounds like they're going to be traveling to each other's facilities with no fans. So this is going to be interesting, and as we've talked about in the past, if you know they don't agree on safety and protocol – um, this is going to drag on and I just don't think we'll have a season. I, I'm still one of the guys and we'll talk about it in a minute about football. Uh, That's going to be hard for team sports to be played in 2020.
1: Well, i tell you something. The the thing that really bothers me about all this is that as much as I'd like to see a game, um, there's just too many, you know, pieces to this that tell me that they, there just shouldn't be no sports at all. Um, right. You know, you look at the fact that I don't know, what was it, 23 Philadelphia Phillies tested positive for COVID-19? I mean, that's, come on. That, I think the writing's on the wall here, which was on the wall before that. So my whole take is you're pushing the envelope because you're, you're, you're thinking about commerce, and you're not thinking about the lives of the people who actually play the game. Right. and Not to mention the lives of their families. Right. I mean, those 23 Phillies that tested positive, they still got to go home to their loved ones and they're going to be quarantined and they're going to be retested and retested over and over. And the other thing that a lot of people are not thinking about, those that have the billions of dollars and own these franchises, is that you have to look at the long term effect of what's going on here. You know, 15, 20 years from now, these people are infected. What is it going to do to their health? You know? Well, for
2: players, even more, because if it damages their lungs like it has, it's going right. to shorten
1: their career. And that's my point. Right. It's like, it's like after they leave baseball, they're still going to be dealing with this. Right. You know, unless a vaccine comes, which doesn't look to be happening. And by the way, you know, with all due respect to, you know, the President of the United States, he had his rally the other day, and it was interesting, he only had like a little over 6,000 show up. And some people credited, well, you know, it was COVID-19. Some people said, well, you know what? His numbers are down. I don't really know what. But the one thing you, you did not expect to hear come out of his mouth is him saying, you know, we should, we should, you know, cut back on testing. I'm like, dude, really? Are you serious right now? It's like, man, dude, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's no question about what's going on here. And you want to reduce the amount of testing? It's like, dude, no, absolutely not. This thing is, is, is hit home, and it's hit home hard. And until people start taking a realistic view of what's going on, guess what? It's going to get worse.
2: Well, I think uh, I just have a feeling Major League Baseball. Like I said, they could have been the first team sport back, bring the national pastime back. But now they're going to report about the same time or start their season about the same time as the NBA if, in fact, they can work out a deal. So a lot to be determined. But we've gotten down to the point where the negotiations are over. According to the contract, now Major League Baseball owners will determine and the players can decide if they want to play or not. So I just got a feeling they're going to run out of time and and you can't have a 30-game baseball season. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So the NBA now is talking about reporting at the end of July, and now they're waffling. Because Florida and the bubble they want to use is just spiking. They had like 4,000 cases in Florida in in one day. So now they're starting to think twice. And a lot of players, uh, Trevor Ariza, a couple of players have just already opted out saying, I'm not going to play.
1: Yeah, Burton said he was not going to play. Burton,
2: yeah, with Washington. And uh, so, you know, all of a sudden, the the one sport we thought was going to be back first – I don't know, because you get, you know, one or two players, like you said in baseball, and you, if you are positive for the virus, you got to quarantine for 14 days. Right. Then if you actually get it and it's a bad case, you're going to be out for four to six weeks. You're done you're for the season. And then if that starts to spread throughout the locker room or the clubhouse, it, it's just going to be a nightmare. And I think the NBA is going to be the same, you know, even though they're in a bubble. Hell, you know, the uh, PGA Tour had a guy flew in a private jet Tested uh, negative on Wednesday. On Thursday, he tested positive. Wow. Yeah. So he had to pull out of the tournament, and uh, so we're seeing individual sports now testing positive. You know, you just can't get away from it. So you put a bunch of athletes together. Yeah. It, it, you're just
1: asking. I just, problems. you know, it's funny because you know we were talking about. I was talking about with a friend of mine about. Uh, you had a situation recently. I'm sure you've seen it uh samuel uh basically got injured when they were doing some workouts um broke his foot yeah he broke his foot so he's going to be out he says he's going to be out 10 weeks estimated time is 13 to 14 weeks um but it's the outside metapartal bone
2: on your foot and as a wide receiver there's so much stress put on that part of your body and your breaks in and out of your breaks Trent Taylor's had it. He's missed the last two years with it. The other wide receiver, and Debo's a kind of a uh, what do you call it? Barrel chest and top heavy guy. He's a big, right. big, big top, which puts more weight on your feet, you know, in and out of those breaks. So, I'm thinking if they play the NFL season, he might miss half the season at least.
1: Well, okay, but well, this this is one of the and, big, on top
2: of that. Before I, before I finish, go ahead. Those ten to fifteen players working out of Nashville, one of them tested positive. Right. All right, so they did that, you know, by law, you can't announce who it was, but that can mean, you know, those guys were hanging out. All 10 of those guys could get it here in
1: the next, you yeah, know, all couple. 10 of those guys would be need to be tested. That includes Garoppolo, by the way. And yeah,
2: and the, here's a situation where you only have 10 of your guys, not 55, and one of them got it. So if you do the math, there's at least five guys getting it, you know, in a week's worth of work. So. Another reason where it's going to be tough. So, and then Clemson in college football, twenty-eight players tested positive. All right. So, I'm sorry. I just don't see how you can do it, Richard. I just don't see how you can do a team. Well,
1: I, I don't see how you do it too. But I tell you what, for grins, because this is game face. Let's let's look at an a, un, a unrealistic situation. Okay, unrealistic. Okay, you have Debo Samuel out. And we also heard that Richie James Jr. broke a bone. Broke up. his wrist. Yeah. Broke his wrist. Okay, so he's out. Okay, so now the question comes: Do you take a look at Antonio Brown? Because Antonio Brown um apparently has been working out. Um, apparently he, he has not missed a day to his workouts. Uh sources from Dante Whitner and uh uh Baldinger. I know why I can't think of his first name right now say that he is poised to play. So the question is, with those two guys out, do you do you look at and really consider the idea of signing him for your deal, you know, with, with, with you know, circumstances involved?
2: Well, I tell you, it, it makes sense on paper, you know, because they signed Emmanuel Sanders last year, right, the veteran player they brought him in, and he really solidified the receiving corps. And they're a young core now, you know, so without Debo, he becomes almost their veteran. Kendrick Bourne is really a third receiver, you know, is your top guy. So, and in terms of Antonio Brown, he now knows this is his last chance. He screwed up everything he had with the Patriots, with the Raiders. He thought there's greener pastures out there. And he just totally screwed up both organizations. And he was a can, a locker room cancer. Now, He's been working out with Deion Sanders, Florida State. And uh, uh you
1: had to do that plug for Florida yeah, State. Yeah. Okay, look at yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and by the way, to the listeners out there, you know, my my counterpart, Mike Schumann, is from Florida State. Okay. Me, I'm a Stanford guy. But okay. you know, go yeah. ahead.
2: Um so with the fact that he knows this is it, Kyle Shanahan and will not put up with his BS. It might be worth bringing him in just to look at him, see how he reacts with everybody. and uh, Because he is a player. You can't take that away from him. And at 32 years old, he knows time's running out. So it sounds like he's gone through a lot of his money too. So the guy's a little desperate. He's been humbled. He's got skill. He's actually a very pleasant guy to be around in the locker room, you know, if he's not playing his games. And it might be worth a chance. Now, would Jed York sign off on that? Would John Lynch sign off on that? They're pretty, you know, that's not their kind of guy. But and when you're in a Super Bowl window, like you've been talking about, you got to bring somebody in or you're just not going to put out the points you need to at that wide receiver position. So it's almost like, you know, why not? Why not take a chance? What do you think?
1: Well, I tell you something. Until Richie James Jr. you know broke his wrist, I was dead set against it because, back to your point, you know, there's two things that make that make a team you know uh, uh, run smoothly, and one is continuity in the locker room, and two is the ability to stay focused. And if you got somebody like Antonio Brown in there, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? That's going to break the continuity and it's going to break the focus. But like you said, he's in a position right now where he's been humbled. He knows if he does not shape up, this is it. He's over. It's done. And and I know Kyle. Kyle's gonna come in, look him in the eye, and say, okay, look, you know what? I don't have time to play games with you. You know, I'm dealing with a championship caliber team. We were this close last year. And if it doesn't look like, you know, for whatever reason, you can't get your head in this game, guess what? You're done. Okay, I don't need the I don't need distraction here. I don't need, you know, hand hand holding and, and I don't need I don't need you know, me to tell a grown man what he, know he should be doing out there on the football field. And you know what? If he comes to that approach, he's exactly correct. So so to your point, yes, on paper, it looks good. And yes, right now, because of what happened to Richard James Jr., probably not a bad decision. However, there is still the long-term effect of the decision and whether or not this man can keep his head in the game. Now, to that point, you also have another ripple in the lake. And that is the fact that Jamal Adams wants to be traded from the Jets. He gave a list of teams that he wanted to be traded to. One of those teams is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Jamal Adams on the other hand, okay, we're not going to question his ability on the field as a safety, he's a pro bowler. So, we're not going to we're not going to spend time wanting what he can or cannot do on the field. That's not in question. The question is, with George Kittle contract coming up, with the fact also next season we have a lot of free agents for the Niners, that are going to need to either get paid or they're going to get shipped. Do you feel like that's a viable decision based on the cap space you have and whether or not you should move forward with that?
2: I don't. I don't think so. He's uh, known to be a, a locker room cancer. Really. Uh, uh, and this has been with the Jets the last couple of years. I talked to a friend who's uh, in the organization. And, and now, is this because he wants to get out of there? Is he creating all this chaos? Number one. Number two, he's more of a strong safety lockdown kind of uh, force the run guy. He's not a good cover guy. and But with the 49ers defense, they apply a lot of zones so they can protect him that way. But Chikiski, Tart. I think it's a good safety, and, you know, you'd have to trade him, probably, a, you know, maybe a top draft choice for him. And uh, and he's already got an existing contract. And you talk about Kittle, you bring in Jamal Adams, that's going to be a problem with the cap. Antonio Brown, you could sign him to a one-year incentive-laden deal. I'll pay you the, the uh, veteran minimum, you know, a million or whatever, and then incentives for all your catches, yardage, and everything like that where you can make some money. So I think Antonio Brown would be a better get because like you said, Kyle just say, Hey, this is it. You got one year, prove to me that you can play, you're not a locker room cancer. And if you're not, I'm gonna cut you tomorrow. You know, they're not even gonna mess with him. You know, he's not worth it at this point. Whereas Adams comes in with an existing contract and I just don't think they can fit him underneath the cap with all the other things they got going on. So and then richie james jr i'm sorry i'd love the kid but i don't think he was going to make the roster to tell you the truth with who they have and the young rookies they drafted because they got two really good rookies from arizona state and lsu that can be a Debo samuel like he was last year so uh, jamal adams i don't bring him in i think uh you've already got a bunch of safeties who can defend against the run tart and uh jimmy ward you need more of a cover guy so i don't really think he fits that scheme of what they have. But okay. I tell you, I might take a chance on Antonio Brown because he, like I said, he knows he's at the end of the rope and uh, end of the line. Not a good reference. Um, and it'd be easy for them. You know, okay. just to, uh, let's move on. Dak Prescott, by the way, signed his franchise tag. Quarterback for the Cowboys, $31.5 million for the year. They have till July to work out a long term deal. I think they're going to franchise him a couple of years in a row. So that'll be interesting.
0: And then the yeah. National
2: Hockey League are talking about coming back. And
1: uh, they're Wait talking about- Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who in National Hockey League is talking about coming back? I want to know who. What did you hear? What did you hear? Well, no,
2: their, their, their league is talking like the NBA, and they're trying to narrow down six cities to do a bubble type end of the season and postseason. And I think they're more talking about the postseason. Uh, three of them are in Canada. Three of them in the United States. So that's the if only they, thing. If they do the
1: postseason, if they do the postseason, you and I both know these guys are not going to be in shape to handle something like that. The postseason is another level. Not to no, mention, I, right. you got to play a certain amount of games just to be able to get to that level. Right. I, I got a problem with them trying to just do the postseason, and I got a problem with them even trying to even examine this at this point. I mean, look at where we're at. We're in June 22nd, okay? The NHL is what? How many more games they got left? What? Well, they're like
2: Warriors. I mean, it's the Warriors. They're like the NBA. You know, they're two thirds through their season. Right. And they got to decide because hockey can play anytime. It's not a weather related
1: Yeah, that's true. Because you got to you know, like NFL hockey. That's can't get that's into I like your point there.
2: You know, so, you know, they, they feel like they got to get back, but. I know in some ways, I mean, do you want a Stanley cuff? You know, do you want an NBA championship in this kind of season where it really shouldn't matter? You know, and, no, and I will say, no. I will say this, and you and I have talked about it. Sports brings people together. Yeah. And that's what we saw today a little bit with NASCAR where all these drivers got together and got behind Bubba Wallace and, uh, He was just emotionally moved after the race. He was just spent from everything he went through. He almost passed out. They were interviewing him and he almost passed out. Yeah. So uh, that's the example. And you and I have been talking about it since we started the show that it brings people together. But in this season with everything else going on, I'm just not sure team sports are going to be able to do it. Number one with all the hurdles that you have to overcome and, I think we should just start preparing for twenty twenty one when hopefully that vaccine will be available. So,
1: well, not even, that. Yeah. Like I said, you you think about this. I mean, the owners they lose a season, okay, which they pretty much have anyway, okay. So it's yeah. like, okay, so what do you what do you do? What are you doing now? You even when MLB came out and said, oh, well, we want to do what was it sixty games? Then they said, oh, well, you know. Then they they they, they just recently said, oh, well, you know what. Manfred has the ability to press the issue and say, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to play because it's in our clause, it's in our contract, and now you're gonna play 50 games. Okay, you do that. Okay, so you get your 50 games. Then what? It's like, did you really did did you really recoup any type of revenue of what was lost? No, no. you didn't. And and what uh-huh. did you do? You you put these players in a position where now uh-huh. they can get COVID-19, which to me uh-huh. is just stupid. And you didn't need to do that. Okay. Uh-huh. My whole point is this. If you're trying to tell me that the MLB owners, okay, if they lose this season, that they're going to be in the poorhouse, that they're going to be like me, no, they're not. Yeah. Matter of fact, you're not going to be close, okay? Yeah. They're going to go into their jacuzzis and drink their wine and eat their pate, and, 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 and really, at the end of the day, they're going to have the same comforts they have right now. They're not going to lose anything. So my whole point is let's keep it real for what it is. The season's lost. It's not your fault. It's not anybody's fault. When we do middle of a pandemic, and the pandemic caused this. You, you scratch this year. If anybody asks you, you put the ash next to it, and you say it for what it is. Hey, the pandemic, COVID-19, caused a, basically a, a year of loss. And not only that, what else are you going to do? You're going to do like most thing, businessmen do when they lose something. they go to their, their accountant, oh, write this off. And then what does that mean? They really didn't lose anything. So, dude, come on. I'm I'm, I'm tired of hearing stuff about what the the owners of different franchises and sports owners are losing. Because it's a flat-out lie. You're not losing anything. You want to talk about loss? I am the king of loss. I can tell you what loss is like, okay? Because I deal with it every day. And to make matters worse, I'm a black man in this country, okay? So when it comes to losing, like I said, I'm the king of loss, all right? I'm not expecting anything extra, but you know what I am expecting? I'm expecting to stay safe. I'm expecting to stay healthy, and I'm expecting to make sure my family is taken care of. And that should be your goal. That should be your aim, not trying to figure out how you can recoup money that you lost because you didn't lose a thing. And
2: we'll end it on that. This is Game Face on the Believe Network. Richard Ewing, Mike Schumann here. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next week.
1: And thanks again, Mike. Love having you on, man. And this is Game Face on the Believe Talent Network.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,